everybody. Hello, friends. It's friend here. <laughs> um, how, how's it going? How, how are you doing with this reading so far? Is it different than the way you've heard it in the past? Is it the same? Is it, um, did you s discover anything? Like every time I read this, I catch something I didn't catch before. Um, I love that about our literature <laughs> and other programs too, that no matter how many years I read it, I can still find something new every time. And that's how I know that it's God talking to me because, um, and, and it's me listening. My ears change over time. As I develop as a spiritual person, my antenna gets more acute and, um, I just hear things in a different way. And for me, the most important thing has been to take all the other voices out of my past. I can get a lot of like really bad blunder brain sometimes if I start thinking, oh, well, this person says it goes like this, and this person says it goes like this, and this person knows for sure that it goes like this, and blah, 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 blah. And I've got blunder brain, and I'm really in this place of anxiety. And then I, I can just stop pause, pray, and just ask God for his voice to be the one that I hear in my head. And, and then it goes back to this like gentle clarity. Um, so I, I don't know, I'd just be curious how that goes for you. Oh, let's see. So the, the, so here we are, just a couple pages into this giant book, and we've already created the whole universe, <laughs> uh, discovered the God who made it. That's really the takeaway from the beginning of Genesis. It's not the how so much as the who and the why. Uh, God did it because he loves us, and he wants us to have... Um, it, to experience this life and to glorify his amazing self as a reflection of him. We're made in his image. So we're going to see really soon that as soon as we start to hurt anything with his image on it, a person, he loses his mind. <laughs> um, but anyway, so so we've got Adam and Eve, our, our earthling parents and Eve is the mother of all the living we're all like her we're all like Adam being quiet when we should speak up taking uh succumbing to our FOMO when we should be content <laughs> uh just trying to go around the system and in the process destroying everything. I think we've all been there. Um, I think this is their first step, really. Like this fall is, oh my gosh, I had everything and I ruined it by constantly consuming this evil, this poison. And now what, what are we going to do? So God drives them out uh, of the garden, that he comes with them. Because um, you're going to see he's right here in the next story. He's not, he didn't just slam the door on us. He comes with us, but we have to earn our way back into this beautiful place. So uh, back into the garden. So now we're at chapter four, Cain murders Abel. So um, 
now we come to the first normal humans. <laughs> Adam and Eve are not normal humans. They're born of God in the garden of paradise. That's not normal. You and I are born of our parents in a hospital or a bed or whatever. Uh, that's, that's normal life. So now we're into normal human beings. Now the man knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain. And Cain's name means somebody who bears a spear, like a a weapon. He's a smith. He creates things, and um, that basically makes him a weapons maker. That's pretty intense. <laughs> the first, the first baby that pops out as a weapons maker, really. But when you think about the world, sometimes. That does seem, not the babies, but once they get a little older, humans seem to come out like that, I guess. <laughs> uh, and Abel is the same name that we see all the time in uh, Ecclesiastes, if you're familiar with that story. It's Hevel. It's, in Hebrew, it's the word Hevel, and Hevel means um, smoke. It's something that is definitely there. You can see it, but you can't grab it, and, and it disappears, just disappears, and that's what happens to Abel. Uh, so these two brothers are the the first children of Adam and Eve, right? And Cain and and Eve says, "I have produced a man with the help of the Lord." So right here again, Eve, our darling Eve, is um, still a little confused about <laughs> about uh, who's in charge, because in the end she's going to realize, oh no, God. I'm the helper and God is the power. He's the source. I am the helper. And uh, C.S. Lewis used to say that humans are eternally adjectives describing God. We want to be nouns where we are just our own individual thing. Uh, But we're not. We are the adjectives of God. I love that. We describe him, and he wants a good description of himself. He is good. He makes good things. He deserves a good description of himself. And if Cain is going to lose his mind right here, or right here, Eve has lost her mind to think that I'm the creator and God helps. But I think that's a really common trap that we get into, especially when we start treating God like a vending machine. I put the coins in. Now give me what I asked for. No, <laughs> no, that's just not how it works. Um, God is not a vending machine. God is the creator of the whole universe. And if something comes to life, it's because he brought it to life. And same th- thing with death. He, he has control over life and death. And that's a pretty intense thought. That leaves us very, very contingent on his I, his plans. I I wouldn't say they're whims by any means. He's very, very organized. We just saw that. If you can make a whole universe that rotates perfectly at all seconds of the day, you know what you're doing. So um, he can, um, I just lost my train of thought, but um, He's the, he's the center, and, and we're the adjectives, right? And we describe him, and, and he's not a vending machine. We are his delight, or we should be. Um, and that's a pretty cool, uh, that's a pretty cool job title, 
the delight of God. <laughs> That's what he wants us to be. That's a pretty sweet title, uh, if we can live up to it. Uh, so Eve is already confused. And next, and I have compassion for Eve. I know that Eve is talking, spoken about so often with this kind of hatred, like it's all her fault. No, Eve isn't even a, a normal human. She's a, she's a concept of the beginning of humanity. Just like a, uh, just like Adam is. Their names mean human in life. That's not like normal, right? So we're dealing in archetypes here. We're dealing in, in symbols here. Um, I'm not saying it's, they're not real people. That's just not the point of what I'm talking about. Uh, um, obviously, people exist. <laughs> so um, he, God's just trying to name for us the stuff beyond just the biology. And so this is what happened. So she's confused, and I have great compassion for her because I'm always confused. <laughs> Next, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain the tiller of the ground. So, Abel is a farmer. Uh, he's a, a so let's call him a rancher. And Cain is a farmer. Can we eat meat yet? Mm -mm. No, we cannot. Nobody can. Even tigers are eating salad at this point. If we go back just one page to uh, Genesis 1.29, God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life in it, I have given evergreen plant for food. And so it was. And God saw everything he made, and indeed it was very good. Uh, so Abel is raising these sheep because God gave them to us as domestic animals. They are the smallest and most helpless of us. They don't even have a voice. And Abel's job is to take care of them for no obvious reason. <laughs> this is not a transactional a situation that Abel has with these sheep. He's not getting anything from it except to care about them because God said to, because that's the way God ordered the world. And um, he's doing that. And Abel just seems like one of those guys that you like, right? Like he's just the, the sweet guy that's just doing what he's supposed to be doing. And sometimes we don't like that. Cain doesn't like that. Uh, now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain the tiller of the ground. So who's making all the food that everything people and animals have to eat? Cain. Do you think he might be a little bit resentful about that? That he is um, having to, to make all the food and carry everyone? I think our modern sensitivities about uh, welfare states and whatnot definitely say that we can get real, real touchy about that stuff, right? <laughs> or why are you doing all the work? Why am I doing all the work? And, you, and you're just doing this other rando thing that has no purpose. But it does have a purpose. He's doing what God told him to do in the order that God made them to do it. And it's not for transaction. It's, it's for love. Um, it's for stewardship. So, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. In the course of time, does that uh, connote any kind of urgency? 
any kind of first enthusiasm. Nope. In the Hebrew, that that strain string of words actually means um, and at the end of days. When he gets around to it, Cain brings an offering of the fruit of the ground. Um, he's bringing some moldy old zucchini. <laughs> That's half rotted. <laughs> I don't know what he's bringing, but it's not. It's nothing quick and enthusiastic, that's for sure. And Abel, for his part, brought the very firstlings of the flock and their fat portions, all the stuff right away, and it's good stuff. The fat portions are really important in the uh, biblical sensibility. It's it's this. Uh, protection. Fat is a protection for your vital organs. We're going to see that a lot in Leviticus. Um, and it, it's, it gets right down inside between all the places that you can't even see and wraps itself around things and protects you. But it can also get uh, a little out of control <laughs> if we indulge in too much gluttony. But I don't think people in those times, you know, they weren't like throwing down coffees that had 500 calories in them all day long so that probably wasn't a big part um but the the fat is like the precious excess right so um and he brings it right away the first abel brings so you can see and the lord had regard for abel and his offering he did it out of just plain loving obedience to god he raised these animals and then he brings it right away as an as a thank you that's how he wants us to operate. Um, but for Cain and his moldy oldie zucchini, he had no regard. Why would he? So so Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So here, just like his parents, he blames he he blames his brother. Instead of taking responsibility, owning his stuff, he um, blames somebody else. We all have a tendency to do that, right? And his countenance, that means just his attitude. So he got a bad attitude. He goes into a funk. He's, he's pouting and, and resentful. And instead of taking a drink over his resentments, he's going to take an axe. <laughs> the, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fell, fallen? He's asking for a confession, right? He's asking for a fourth step inventory. What's going on here? God knows, but he wants to. He wants us to be able to name it and, and talk about it and say what's going on. If you do well, will you not be accepted? It, how, how obvious is that? If you do what is right, it's going to be okay. But if you come with a bad attitude and, and bad actions, it's not going to be all right. Um, stinking thinking, right? And also, like, for Cain, half measures avails us nothing. So just like with Eve and Adam, they took half measures. Like, they, they did most of the garden right, but not all of it right, and it availed them nothing. Cain is doing half of it right. He's raising the flocks. I mean, he's raising the, the food, but um, he's not doing all of it right. And we, we have to be willing to go to any length, right? To do it all right to the best of our ability. So God has huge allowances for, for when you don't know that you've done something wrong. The whole, all of those sacrifices in Leviticus are for unintentional sins. And then once a year you get a big 
a chance to atone for all the things you knew you were doing wrong and did it anyway. That's the, the special day of atonement. That's, that's the thing that Jesus came to, to do once forever, not every year anymore. But, but in the system of God's economy, he makes allowances for stuff that we don't even know we're doing wrong, which is beautiful. I need that because all the time I don't really know what I'm doing wrong. It's so, I'm so hard, hard-headed in that, in that regard. Um, and, but I can still say I'm sorry. Like, please show me what I'm doing wrong. And then um, please forgive me because I know not what I do. But um, God's pointing it out to him right here. Like, you're not doing this. Like, are, are you sure you don't want to try again with a better attitude? Get yourself straight? Uh, get yourself emotionally sober and then try again? And if you do not do well, sin is lurking at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. So when we get uh, sober when we start to live with on God's side of the door instead of the sin side of the door uh, on the God side of the of the meeting rooms instead of the bar rooms right um, we uh, the the disease is outside the door doing push-ups waiting for us right I've been sober 20 years and can you imagine how strong that disease is now how strong that sin would be if I if I um, indulged it 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 would tear me apart immediately so if you do what uh, if you do well you will will you not be accepted and if you do not do well sin is lurking at the door its desire is for you but you must master it and he gives us a way to do that right uh, it's not like we just have to but it, but it it involves a complete psychic change to get there. We have to have a complete psychic change to get there. And usually the way this passage is read, uh, at least by Christians, is we, we don't really understand that Abel's not getting out anything out of this because we don't have that sensitivity to what we eat and don't eat as according to God. Uh, what God said about that but but he said it so um, and, and then people will say and I don't think this is wrong I'm just saying this is probably maybe what you've heard about this passage in the past is um, that somehow God described to them how to make an animal sacrifice and that's what covers this situation which is true and I think you'll we'll find that laid out very specifically later when we get to the sacrifice portion of the instructions <laughs> of the holy instructions but um but really that Abel was making the sacrifice of of caring for something that couldn't really care for him in return but needed but God needed it to be done and Cain was not willing to make a sacrifice to um, support that endeavor with Abel and the and the livestock or um to, to understand that he has that, he's able to till that ground because God gave him the ground. But the ground has also been cursed, right? So it's harder than it was in the garden um, to, make, to make these things um, grow. So, and, and Cain's attitude is not helping. It's not fertilizer. It's bullshit, but it's not fertilizer. <laughs> it's not helping anything grow. Um, 
And the Lord said to Cain, oops, I'm sorry, uh, for verse 8, Cain said to his brother Abel, let us go out to the field. This is premeditated murder we've got going on here. He knows what he's going to do. And they were in the field. Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. That's premeditated murder. Then the Lord said to Cain, now where is your brother Abel? He's asking for a confession. He already knows, but he wants us to say. He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's babysitter? What's the implied obvious response? Yes. Yes, you are. I put you all on this planet together to take care of each other, and you are not doing that. And the Lord said, what have you done? The Lord is asking for a fifth step. What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. So I also think that there's no such thing as a personal sin, right? Like Cain's sin very deeply affected Abel and his parents. I'm sure poor Adam and Eve were just stunned at what just happened here, like beyond themselves, stunned and heartbroken. God is stunned and heartbroken. It might not have been the surprise to him, but he is heartbroken because he made Abel. He loved Abel. Abel was doing everything right, and he was killed. That's not fair. And uh, Cain doesn't seem to care at all about any of this. So he's asking for a fist up. Uh, listen, your brother's blood is crying out from the ground. So this sin seeps into the ground. And you know, if somebody has been murdered, if, if you're standing somewhere and somebody says, oh, somebody murdered somebody else right here. Ooh, it's creepy. You want to step off of that space, right? Like you don't want to be in that space. <laughs> and, and these people are meant to multiply. So God's already like, oh, this is not the intended direction. I don't want this multiplying, but it's going to. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And I, I think we're going to um, see a lot of blood shed over sin uh, in this whole Bible. Yeah, and it's your life. The, the blood is your life. And your life, Abel's life was taken. Cain's life is ruined. Uh sorry, 12. When you till the ground, it will no longer yield its strength. You will be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. So now he's going to be in exile, just like his parents were kicked out of the garden. Now they're in exile. Now Cain will be in exile, wandering the earth. No, no particular purpose, no particular address, except he, that's not how it stays. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Today you have driven me away from the soil. Who did what? No, fool, that was you. <laughs> Again, he's not owning it. He blames God, just like Adam blamed God. You have driven me away from the soil. No, no, this was all you, Cain. This was all you. And I shall be forbid I shall be hidden from your face. And that's more than he can bear. Yes, it's hell. That is the definition of hell. To be out of God's presence is the definition of hell on earth. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and anyone who meets me may kill me. Now I'm very vulnerable. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. Whoever kills Cain will suffer a sevenfold vengeance. And why is that? Because vengeance belongs to God. 
you can't just walk up and kill somebody. You can and must, God says, take, um, he wants a life for a life. If you kill someone in a premeditated murder, which is different than manslaughter, accidental murder, he insists on that person's life being taken, but you need to have a court to do that. Um, he's going to tell us, you can't just walk up and kill somebody because they killed your brother. You can't do that. And the Lord, so vengeance is God's. And the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one would come upon him and kill him. What is the mark of Cain? I don't know. <laughs> it's just not described. Some kind of mark that protects him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, which means to wander east of Eden which is before the sunrise. It's still in the dark. So, wow, that's a lot. That's pretty intense for the very first step out of the presence of God. This is where it goes. And um, we're going to see it's not all bad. Like um, this next, I'm going to stop here for today, but this next little section, um, the beginnings of civilization or whatever it might say in your subheading, on 417, um, there are good things still to be had in here. Just like Abel was good, there are good people in this lineup. It's not going to end well, though, so spoiler alert. (laughs) All right. See you later, friend.